Welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Ivy Lassiter, and I'm so glad you're here. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about all the parenting stuff, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who've been there. Let's get started. In this episode, I'm talking to Jennifer and Joey, parents to Catherine Ann, a high schooler, and Jay, who is in his last year of elementary school. So Jennifer is my cousin, my much older cousin. Okay, not really that much older, but I had to throw that in there because there was this time when I was in college and I told her and Joey, they were young marrieds. I said, I'm going to quote it. Hey, even though y'all are old, this was kind of fun hanging out. So literally by old, they were 25 years old. Y'all, this was not my kindest moment. But sometime after that, they began trying to have children. And I remember as a young college student, hearing about their struggles, their miscarriages. And at the time, I had no idea it was something that that happened to people. And I definitely couldn't begin to comprehend what it felt like to endure these miscarriages. So now that I am a parent, an old parent, this conversation means a lot more to me. Okay, so y'all talk to me about your journey of growing your family. We got married in um, 2000. A long, long time ago. <laughs> a long, long time ago. Yes. Um, yes, we got married in 2000. We um, met at Auburn University. Mm-hmm. Or Eagle. Eagle. Yep. Yes. You know, we spent the first couple of years just doing the newlywed thing, traveling a lot, going to all the Auburn games mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of that season where, um, like, our friends were getting married and all of that and then comes the you know time where it's like okay we've done this for a few years we knew that kids were going to be something that we wanted I mean I think we talked about it way early on in dating and um I mean I even chose like my profession based right you're elementary education teacher like love children yes you know it had always had you know the plan that I would teach for a few years and then um stay home with the kids and then, you know, maybe go back to teaching when they were, you know, older. And so, uh, you know, my plan was working. I had gone to school, gone to college, met the husband, got married. Yeah. A few years after, you know, we've been married, we started, uh, you know, trying to have kids and, um, it's hard to, I mean, I think we pretty uh, shortly after that got uh, pregnant and we're so excited. The plan's going just as we had planned it yeah. and, you know, just told all our friends and our family how excited we were that, you know, we were going to have a baby and uh, about uh, nine, 10 weeks into the pregnancy, I had a miscarriage mm. and Honestly, it was just really shocking because it, well, it wasn't part of our plan. Right. And right. Two, I don't think at the time I knew many people that that had happened to. Yeah. And so it was just shocking. I don't know how else to really put it. It just kind of threw us for a loop. Like, 
oh, you know, what is this? And we did after we started telling people. Now, this was also, you know, pre-Facebook, pre-social media and things. And so yeah, kind of a long process in telling people to you, which is kind of different. Right. Uh, sometimes you're able to, you know, put all your good stuff and bad stuff out there quickly. Right. But, you know, slowly people started to find out that, you know, we had had the miscarriage and I started to hear more and more from people. Oh, that happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just weird. Yeah. Growing up, that's never something that's on like a teenage girl's radar. I don't think like, I don't even think I knew it existed until I was married and you know what I mean? So it's like, oh, this happens to people. Right. It was more, don't get pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah, supposed yeah. To, not, oh, if you do get pregnant, this could happen. And yeah. so um, one way I've kind of always described it is it's the club that nobody wants to be in. Yeah. But it's big. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it just kind of shook us and, uh, when we went to the doctor at the time, they couldn't tell us like any specific reason, you know, why we had miscarried, but that it was just, you know, early on and that happens. Mm-hmm. And so, um, honestly, it wasn't too much later, maybe six months or so. Yeah. And um, we got pregnant again, you know, made it past the nine week mark and everything seems great. And then at 31 weeks, I uh, developed preeclampsia and we went to the, like I went to the doctor and then went straight into the hospital. Um, and then they gave me steroid shots and we're trying to wait, you know, 24 hours so that the lungs would develop. Um, and the awesome part of that story is our daughter, Catherine mm-hmm. Ann, yeah. was born at 31 weeks, she was three pounds, six ounces, um, a little baby with a big name yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just everything about her NICU experience was fine as far as like she was, she was small and it was early, but, you know, she was really healthy to be born at 31 weeks. So she basically just had to learn to like suck, swallow and breathe and get um, a little bigger um, and like, you know, be able to take a bottle and those kind of things. But we kind of learned in that period of time, like how grateful we were in the NICU for where we were Hmm. and then also not to ask too many questions (laughs) from the people around us because Catherine Ann was doing so great and then these other babies weren't. Mm. And then, you know, it was hard to say, you know, if people said, why are you here? And we're like, oh, she's fine. And they're yeah. like, oh, well, my baby just had kidney failure last oh, night. Yeah. So it was just a, a whole like world we had never been in. It was crazy because we would go into the hospital and, you know, spend a couple hours holding her and then we would go home. Yeah. Thankfully, digital cameras were around then. <laughs> we would, you know, we would literally sit at home and like look through pictures of our daughter. It it was just kind of surreal. Like, wait, we do have a baby, but she's, she's not here. Yeah. Um, 
but she did great. And she came home um, and actually just three weeks later, um, which was great for, you know, babies that were her size. A lot of them would stay a lot longer. Yeah. But it was funny, too, though, is because we had had her, you know, in this hospital environment. And then all of a sudden they sent her home with us. And we were like, wait, what are we? We don't know what to do <laughs> because the nurses were doing everything. everything. Yeah. Yeah. And we like, you know, had to scrub in for like five minutes before we could go in to see her. So all of a sudden they're pushing her through the hospital. <laughs> and we're like, wait a minute. There's germs everywhere. <laughs> it's even pre-COVID. You're like, I can't imagine the mom's oh mouth. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But it's crazy. There are still things about that time that will just come up randomly. Mm. Like every now and then I'll go into a bathroom or somewhere that has the soap from the NICU and yeah. smell it. And it just like takes us, you know, back Isn't that there. weird how that happens. Yeah. And it was it was hard, but it was also such a like a sweet time and it just was reassuring to us like we feel like we got like like trained <laughs> you know how to care for a baby right. by experts because they were telling us you know what to do and you know they got her on a feeding schedule and all those kind of things so um you know we were just so excited to you know have Catherine Ann and to show her off and you know take her all these places, um, once we were past the, you shouldn't go harm it, the germ worries. And yeah. Yes. Once she was a little um, bigger and, you know, there was, you know, a good two, three years of just enjoying being the three of us. And um, then we decided, you know, it was always our plan to have more than one. So we um, started trying again and we knew that a miscarriage was possible now. So that was not a shock, but of course it did sting when um, we lost the baby, the, well, so it would be our third pregnancy when we lost that baby. So again, we were like, but for some reason I kind of had in my mind, I just totally made this up, but maybe it's an ABAB pattern. Like, You're just trying to reach for things that are in your control a little bit, maybe like trying to reach for things that make sense in a senseless experience. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay. So the next time we get pregnant, right? You know, this baby will will bring home, um, and that you know, uh, that didn't happen for us. We had um another miscarriage, and then um. From that time on, we actually had four. Hmm. It is kind of crazy because we're now, you know, 12 years removed from this time in our life. And some of it just kind of blends together where it used to be, I could tell you every detail. Yeah. You know, thankfully, I think in a lot of ways, it's just kind of part of our story and, um, some of the things get a little bit more blurry when they used to be, you know, everything. Yeah. One though actually was uh, worse than the others because we had gotten past most of the miscarriages happened in the first eight to 10 weeks, but we uh, got pregnant and we made it past that, um, you know, 10 week mark. And so we were pretty sure that this one was uh, a baby we were going to bring home. And at 20 weeks, 
we actually went to the ultrasound to find out if it was a boy or a girl. I had kind of felt a little bit off for the few days before that. So I was a little anxious to go, but you know, at 20 weeks, I was certainly showing and felt very pregnant. Yeah. Um, and so we went into the appointment and found out that that baby was no longer alive. So that was honestly the hardest. Because yeah. um, when you when you get pregnant, you start, I mean, you, you don't see the baby. You don't know what their future is going to be like. But you do start to dream about yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Add that person into your family. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, at 20 weeks, we certainly, like, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, but we knew Catherine Ann was going to have a sibling. Yeah. So it was hard to know that that was not going to be the case. And honestly, at this point, she's three years old. We've told her she's going to have, you know, a brother or a sister. And um, so it just, the way we lost that baby was pretty traumatic, Um, just really hard. And so that one was kind of hard to um, go forward. And there were times that actually at that point, we were like, what are we doing? Like, is this really, is this a sign that we are supposed to just be thankful that we have Catherine Anna and stop, but really didn't feel that. And well, and didn't people kind of ask you that? Like, don't you yes. want to stop enduring this pain? Well, it was people that cared about us that were asking that just, you know, they seen us hurting over and over and over. Like, why are you, why are you still doing this? Are you sure this is the right thing to do? And so we would ask the doctors, like, is, is this okay? Is, are we, are you sure this is okay? <laughs> and he said, yes, it's, you, you should. There's no reason unless you can, you know, just don't feel like you can do it anymore. Emotionally, if you can do it. kind of Yes. Yeah. Yes. He said, there's no physical reason yeah. why you shouldn't keep trying. And he actually said something that um, I thought was interesting. And I've kind of kept this in, in with like other experiences in my life. He said, to hit a home run, you have to be willing to strike out. Yeah. And so he said, as many times as you think you are okay to handle what striking out feels like, we can keep trying for the home run. Right. How often do y'all think about the babies that you didn't get to know? I would say it's not every day anymore. Um, you know, there was a time when it was, I would say it was every day, especially the, the, the one that Jennifer just described, but time to time, yeah. um, you know, I was cleaning up my office last week and came across some old ultrasound photos mm. and it'd bring back all the feelings and memories, but I don't think about it every, every day. Yeah. Anymore. Crazily enough, we moved about three years ago too. And I feel like I feel it less jolted. Sometimes there would just be times that I would walk into, you know, a part of our house that we were in when one of those traumatic situations happened, it would, it would spark it, but not all the time. Right. And I think I was telling you this too, Ivy, when we were talking earlier, like it is uncanny to me that there's sometimes that it will just, all, all the emotions of it will come up and I just wonder why. And in the next few days or weeks, I will um, end up talking to someone that I need to, to feel those emotions again. So it's yeah. just kind of crazy. Like they'll 
either they had an issue, you know, they've had a miscarriage or have a kid in the NICU or they have a friend and I can talk to it with them. It's just really strange, but kind of cool. But it's, yes, it's not an everyday thing. So, you know, we had Catherine Ann and then we had the four miscarriages in between and our doctor had said to keep going. We just felt like our family was not complete. Yeah. That we're supposed to keep trying, maybe trying and failing. We didn't know, but we just did not feel like it was time to stop. And like I said, just had this huge feeling that Catherine Ann was meant to be a big sister. And so in, um, I guess it was 2000, it would have been 2008. I can honestly, I can tell you right where I was standing when I took the pregnancy test and it came out that, you know, I was pregnant. And I mean, honestly, to tell you the truth, when you've been pregnant seven times, this would have been my seventh pregnancy. Like I knew the test was just to really tell Joey. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I know what this feels like to be pregnant. So (laughs) I got this down. Like I can't brush my teeth in the morning and (laughs) I'm pregnant, but I would take the test, you know, just to confirm. And I remember calling Joey in tears Mm. and said, I'm pregnant again. I don't think I can do this. Best too much. And we kind of decided then that um, we were going to do some a few things differently. One is because of my history, like I would get pregnant and we would go to the doctor and for and every week, like starting at week four, whenever I knew we would go to the doctor every single week. And then just waiting to see what was going to actually happen. And I told him that time, I was like, I'm not going to the doctor yet. Like, let's just wait. And so we did. And then, I mean, we got to like week eight and I, you know, went to the appointment and everything was fine. Um, And then we got to week 20 and everything was still fine. And that was great. But it was also like, I still wouldn't let myself believe you know, at week 20, I had lost one. Like, how is this? Now, there was one person that was completely convinced that we were going to have a baby. And that was Catherine Ann. Like, <laughs> she, you know, at this point, she's four about to turn five. And she just from the very beginning was telling us she was going to have a brother. Uh-uh. And we actually talked to her about this earlier tonight because I was just asking her what she remembered. She does remember the 20 week loss. And then she said, I remember telling you that I was going to have a brother and you did not believe me. Or you kept trying to tell me that, well, maybe, you know, we hope you were wanting to. Yeah, it could be a girl or a boy. And I kept telling you, no, it's a brother. This is why I just love children's ministry because it's a childlike faith. It's like, no, I feel confident of this. I know all these smart adults have their doubts, but I feel confident. And, and I mean, it's just this beautiful thing. And we're yes. trying to manage her expectations. Yeah. You know? And she's like, no, I'm good. I know yeah. he's going to be here. <laughs> yeah. So um, one cool thing that we did do, despite our fears, actually, is take her to that 20-week ultrasound. Because oh. I was so worried because we had gone to the 20-week one and it had been so devastating. I didn't want to take her. But she was like, no, I'm going to find out if I'm having a brother. And so we were like, well, there's been no signs. I feel okay. 
And so we go into the ultrasound. And the first thing she asked the technician is, am I going to have a brother? <laughs> and the technician said, well, we'll, you know, we'll see. And so, you know, they start looking around. And of course, their job is to make sure that like, there's four chambers of the heart. Yes. Fine. And yes. that their head looks fine and fingers and toes. And so she kept saying, is it a brother? And they were like, hold on, sweetie, you know, just a minute. <laughs> and, um, you know, Catherine, and yeah. she has a lot of patience, has her whole life. But this moment, she did not have any. And she finally just told the tech. She's like, I have to know. <laughs> Is that a <her> brother? <laughs> and so the text, you know, she's like, okay, okay. So she goes and she goes, yes, Catherine, Ann, it's a brother. And she just, you know, Catherine Ann just, I know it. And, you know, did y'all just like ball crying? Oh, I wouldn't have been able to hold it together in there. It was a sweet, sweet moment. So yeah, at that 20 week appointment, of course, signs are looking very good that, you know, this baby is going to, to be, and it is going to be a brother and, um, you know, but still inside of me, and I don't know how much you still felt this back then, but I was like, I still couldn't like decorate the nursery and still felt like. Let's just not celebrate quite yet. Yeah. And then crazily enough, at 31 weeks to the day again with, um, you know, with this pregnancy, I developed preeclampsia again with help syndrome. And I'm right back to where we were before. Um, this time we found out a little bit sooner. And so I actually spent um, eight days in the uh, hospital. And they would do blood tests to find out, you know, where we were. Because when you get preeclampsia, they still don't know, or maybe they do now, but at the time at least. Way back then. Way All back those there. years ago. They didn't All know. 12 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know like what causes preeclampsia, but they just know the answer is to not be pregnant anymore. And it's detrimental to the mother's health. So I was basically having a blood test every morning to decide if I was going to have breakfast because I had started um, fast. They would stop me from eating at like midnight. <laughs> Do I get to have breakfast or are we having a baby today? Oh my gosh. It was this kind of whirlwind thing. And um, thankfully this was pre-COVID too. And Joey was able to stay at the hospital with yeah. me. Those are kind of things that we don't think about until like now. And it's like, oh, like yeah. what if this had happened, you know, today? Yeah. Then on June 16th of 2009, we did have our son. Um, the crazy thing is our daughter was born on June 15th. So um, Catherine was born on June 15th. And then five years and one day later, oh my gosh, Jay was born. And he was four pounds, seven ounces. So he was like big compared yeah. to our, you know. And at that point, I finally believed. <laughs> I'm going to have this baby. I'm going to get to take this home. baby. And um, again, thankfully, he was very healthy to be born that early. It was it was very cool, though, to, uh, you know, have Catherine in, in the hospital with us, see this brother that she was so sure she was going to have. Um, but yes, we had uh, Jay, who's actually Joseph Madison Carlton the fourth, uh, named after his daddy, and um, it was kind of weird too. Like the whole thing, like I was telling you, that we just didn't think we were done. Like 
we actually like when Jay was born, it was like, okay, this is it. And because I had gotten so sick again, this was it. Yeah. Like the doctor said, okay, now you've done this twice. Now it's actually not healthy. <laughs> like right. first time was uh, like, oh, maybe, but now. Um, so in, in all of that, it was just, it's just such a whirlwind, but yet long, <laughs> you know, even today, like, I just think if we hadn't gone through all of that, then Jay wouldn't be in the world. Right. Um, another like crazy part of our story, Catherine Ann was born on June 15th. Jay was born on June 16th. They both came home from the NICU on July 8th, which is our wedding anniversary. No. And it's so funny because when I tell people that, they're like, oh, did you plan it? And we're like, oh, if you knew our story. <laughs> you don't plan the <laughs> No planning. They both came home on the same date. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. So when they came home, were they, they weren't attached to any, you know, medical device like it, they were able to come home and eat and do all of those things right the only thing we were really um told to do is just to like keep them home and not expose them to germs yeah because their lungs would have been less developed but actually they haven't really had any um any major Things, nothing long-term. Some things did happen a little bit slower as far as crawling or walking. It's actually funny because when we, when you bring home a a preemie, like you do, you have to wake them up to feed them because they're still supposed to be, you know, inside. And so we had heard all these things about newborns being hard and we were like, no, you just put them on a schedule. And like (laughs) both of them, when they hit like their newborn or their, like actual due date, like things would really change. And then all of a sudden they're crying and we're like, Oh, this is what people mean by that. Yeah. That's funny. So if, if you could go back and tell yourself something about like, give yourself advice on having babies in the NICU, what would you say? First, I would say, don't worry about bonding with your baby because we plenty Plenty, plenty of 3 a.m. feedings in your future. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Yeah, it just, it feels hard to leave them and be like, oh my gosh, are they going to know I'm their mom? And you're like, no, there's plenty of time. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. it doesn't feel right to to leave, to leave them at the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And just be prepared for like the strangest thing when you leave leave a baby at the hospital. You don't know when the emotions are going to hit. Yeah. Jennifer is emotional uh, person in general, but uh, she, so people would ask me like, how is like this after Catherine Ann was born and she was in the NICU and people would say, how's Jennifer handling this? And I was like, actually amazingly well. So I'm just, I'm just kind of worried that she's going to, it's going to hit her at some point. And then, so that, that happened at our grocery store. Oh no. Um, <laughs> So maybe I so I was going to make chicken and rice for dinner and I picked up a chicken and I looked at it and the chicken weighed more than my daughter. Oh. And so there in the middle of Publix, I just lost it. Oh my gosh. So Joey turned to 
turns the corner and he's like, what is happening? (laughs) So we survived that. I did buy a chicken and came home. (laughs) But, you know, there is just so much emotion of it. And especially, you know, this is our first time. We've never been parents before, you know, all these things. Um, with that pregnancy, it was actually interesting with, or when Jay was, when he was in the NICU, the doctors would say, or the nurses would say, wow, you're really calm. And we we're like, well, cause we've done this before. Right. <laughs> we've been here. Yeah. We know yeah. we're going to take them home. Um, so, you know, my big piece of advice is no, you're going to bond with your children. You have the rest of your life with them. And so don't, I also think the movies and things, they kind of like make these beliefs in our head that like all of a sudden you're going to just, everything's good. You're just, you're a mom now and it's awesome, you know, and you, you love every bit of it. And being in the, in the NICU, it's, it it is different, but definitely, you know, bonded with our children. We have great relationships with them now. And the other thing I like to tell people that have a baby in the NICU is just really get to know the nurses. Mm, Yeah. You know, they're wonderful people. The Nikki nurses are amazing. We had so many great ones. But they're your lifeline. Like they're the people that are spending the most time actually now with your child. So just trust them, trust that they, and I mean, every nurse is going to have a different way that she maybe tells you to change the diaper and just, it's okay. Like just say yes. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they just have different mannerisms, but they care for your child and they want your child to come home with you. So, yeah. And then the other big thing is I say like, it's in some ways it is a gift that you get to rest and recuperate. Hmm. Usually there's some reason that you've had a child early and like, just take advantage of that time. Like don't feel guilty that you're at home. Like just use that time to get things together. One part we didn't tell about our story is we, had moved right before Catherine Ann was born. And um, we thought we were going to be home for 12 weeks. Yeah. Home. And there was two. So when we actually brought Catherine Ann home, we hardly, we, we'd hardly found our underwear and silverware. I mean, <laughs> there were like boxes everywhere. Yes. And it was, you know, just, so it actually was great because we got to, you know, put together <laughs> some things while she was still in the hospital. But, um, you know, those were for sure, just trying, trying days, but, you know, we made it through and we have these precious children and I'll never forget like what it was like to have people come, I mean, to to come visit Catherine Ann, but also because of Jay, like the people that have really walked Mm -hmm. through the whole process with us, like the first time that they held him, like they just would cry so many people and just were so grateful to see this blessing. Yeah. Like I say, there's no doubt. We can't say that babies aren't miracles. Right. What did people do that walked with you through the miscarriage? Like what were things that they did that made y'all feel really loved and cared for? So um, one thing that's really hard when um, you've had a miscarriage uh, or any kind of you know, things like I even remember, you know, Ivy, when your mom, you know, died, like when it, things are hard, it's um, a lot of times people want to like make it pretty and it's not 
you know, when you're on your fourth miscarriage and, you know, someone says, you know, well, God just needed another angel in heaven. You know, they're trying to like cheer you up. And I'm literally thinking, if that's the case, can he find another provider? Like, (laughs) I think I've done my job. Yes. Yes. And, but they're trying to make it pretty. And you're going, this just isn't pretty. This isn't. Right. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. This, we can't put a bow on it today. Hopefully there is a bow. And we did, you know, we got our bow with Jay, but there was a lot of days we didn't know if there was even ribbon to start tying the bow. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I grew up in the church. I knew every Bible verse that you could say. I mean, I could quote it. God works all things together, you know, all those things. And they are helpful, but there's times that you just need somebody to say, you know what? I am sorry. And this sucks. Like, just okay to like tell people like this is no fun this is like hard and it's okay to be upset you know there's some people that I would talk to and I felt like I had to like make it pretty for them and it wasn't and like then that didn't feel natural or right or authentic one thing I've learned is like I said I had five miscarriages they all hit me differently depending on where I was emotionally, spiritually, physically at the time. So I don't even think as somebody who's had five miscarriages, I can look at somebody that has had a miscarriage and say, I know how you feel. I don't know how you feel, but I do know that I'm sorry. And this sucks. And, you know, I will be here with you. I will sit here with you when you want to sit. And, you know, if you're not thinking about it today and you don't, you want to just go have ice cream and pretend that it's roses today. (laughs) Like, let's do that. Like, so those are the relationships that you really need at that moment are the, you know, the people that are willing to just sit in the real and the mess of it. Yeah. It's a really good way of putting it. Was there any other things? Well, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's hard to say over the various ones. Um, I remember people bringing us food, mm-hmm. helpful, very tangible um, thing that was was great. Um, I think for me personally, though, um, what what was really meaningful and what I, what still stands out to me is is you know, I do think um, a lot of times people don't talk about the, the father uh, in a in a miscarriage situation uh, because they're they're you know it's not their body and and things like that, but. It, you know, there's a connection there as well, especially yeah. with, you know, an ultrasound image and, and um, you know, the, the hopes and dreams that, that come come along with that. And, you know, I, I really remember my friends that called me mm-hmm. and, and and to talk to me uh, in particular. And, you know, especially friends that had been through a miscarriage before and just to acknowledge the, the pain that I was feeling as well. And uh, that's really what stands out. Yeah. Me. Yeah. How did y'all process it differently? Yeah, so that's it's pretty funny actually. I, so we we did handle it very differently. I don't know if it's personality or male female thing, but now I was I compartmentalized things to the extreme during the you know series of miscarriages that we had. Like like Jennifer said, we would go to the doctor all the time. So during a pregnancy that lasted just a few weeks, we would have gone to the doctor several times. Yeah. So. It, it was very trying. The way I, I think I coped with it was I really just compartmentalized and did not think about it between doctor visits as much as I 
as much as humanly possible. Well, Jennifer, on the other hand, handled the exact opposite. She was very connected, uh, you know, with pregnancy and experienced the emotional worried every worry day, and like anxiety yes. the whole time. But and then, but as soon as we walk into the doctor's office, we would totally change places, like Whoa. almost like a switch. And so, it what happened is all the emotion would hit me all at once, like a like a ton of bricks. Yeah. So much so that I literally almost fainted one time in a doctor's And Jennifer, on the other hand, suddenly became super calm, composed, happy, peaceful, just happy to be there to find out whatever we we're going to find out. You know, yes. she it was, was like, well, <laughs> at least now, like, I'm going to know good or bad. I'm here. They're going to tell me the answer so I can stop worrying. Yeah. Like, I feel the bad news. I can deal with the great or, you know, I'm excited about the good, but at least I'm going to know. So I know. Just so I would hold her up during the week, and then you know during the visit, she, she would almost literally have to hold me. Literally, when you almost fainted. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, would that create any like Jennifer? Did it ever annoy you? Like, why? I mean, Joey's not stressed about this. Like, would would that annoy you or not really? Well, I do think there was times I'm like, is he paying attention? Like this. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was, and sometimes it was just baffling, you know, <laughs> how is he not worried? Like, you know, or Joey would say like, oh, you're, you're still thinking about that. And I'm like, of course I'm still thinking. About that. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I've not got an answer yet. So yes, I'm still thinking. About it. Yeah. We don't know. Um, yes. Uh, I've laughed for my whole life that my and laugh, meaning, I mean, it's funny, you don't necessarily say laugh at Bible verses, but, you know, the Bible verse, be still and know that I am God, comes up often in my life because I'm not good at the be still part. Like, I know he's God, but it's the be still. Like, I just always feel like there's something I can do to, like, help God with this. Or, <laughs> I mean, he needs me to do something in this process. Yeah. Actually, kind of, uh, I guess, ironic with you know, the whole pregnancy thing. Cause they're literally, I mean, I was not in control. No, I know. Cause it wasn't like I was eating the wrong foods or I was doing, I mean, there was nothing except for just the way my body was working and I couldn't change that. So, I mean, it was, I really had to trust that he was in control. Yeah. Yeah. Do y'all feel like you've had opportunities, just unique opportunities to comfort people who've gone through the same thing? I mean, it's hard to say if it's unique or not, because one thing I've realized is that um, through this and anything, it's everyone is going to have a time of trial. So I don't know if it's unique, but have we been able to see God use our story or been able to comfort someone? Um, yes. Uh, one thing that did kind of hit me with all of these challenges and trials, whatever you want to call it, this long period of our life that now seems shorter because we're past it, um, was the, um, the story of, um, in the Bible with the, the storm and the house that was on the rocks and on the sand. Like, I mean, I grew up singing, you know, the song, the wise men built, you know, all of that, you know, I could do the motions and I'll think, The thing I don't think I understood as a child and then even until this is that the storm hit both houses. Yeah. It wasn't that 
the house on the rock was just there and everything was peaceful. The storm still hit, but the foundation was firm. And so when you go through trials, it's not like, oh my goodness, the storm is my fault or this is anything. It's just the storms are going to come. Yeah. And I had to realize like, it's okay too to like lose some shingles and the shutters to fall off. Like you've, you've been through a storm, but the foundation is firm. And so I think especially for someone like me that, you know, grew up in a Christian home and knew all the Bible verses and knew all the things like it was just, it was hard for me to like face these trials. Like, what did I do wrong? And just realizing there was nothing that we did wrong. It was just, this was part of our story. Story, Yeah. Um, And it actually is God fulfilling and being who he says he is going to be because he says we're going to face trials and storms in our life. So if he is who he says he is, then he is who he says he is. How has this season of your life, how does it impact your parenting today? Well, I think it it makes us, you know, when when things are hard with the kids and that does happen, um, you know, it it makes Wait, wait, wait. Y'all don't have perfect kids. (laughs) Yes. um, (laughs) Take it for granted. They had tantrums when they were two also. Oh, they did. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, they cried and all that stuff, too. (laughs) um you know just it it, we're quick to remember not to take it for granted yeah that's the main thing yeah i think the other thing that um i have to sometimes because what we've told i mean as we've already discussed on (laughs) this podcast and you know people that uh know me well i mean i do i i worry and i fret about things and i um you know want things to go well and you know like joey said like Sometimes our kids don't act right or other sometimes things happen to our children that is not what we planned. Like, yeah, we certainly didn't plan a pandemic to be part of their right. childhood or, you know, struggling with ever, whatever normal struggles. And like, you know, our daughter is uh, a junior now in high school and like, where is she going to college? And sometimes I just have to remember that God did a lot to bring you know them into this world through my broken body. And um, if he had that plan, like why do I think he hasn't planned out every day of their life? And so if I would just let him, you know, take control and well, he's got, he's got control. He's like, if I will acknowledge his Yes, control. if I can release and let him do what he's gonna yes. do. Yeah. And just yes. say, yeah, it's, it stinks that, you know, our daughter's soccer season got cut short last year because of COVID and we're still in it now. Like all those things. It's like he he made sure that they were kids that had to persevere from the moment. That they, yes. They are resilient children. So like, why should I not expect them to be resilient teenagers and adults and, you know. Yeah. yeah. A few weeks ago, I was reading Hebrews 6, and these verses just jumped off the page. Starting in verse 18, it says, So God has given both His promise and His oath. These two things are unchangeable, because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to Him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies 
before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary where Jesus has already gone in there for us. And I can't tell you exactly why at the time this this passage jumped out at me, but I remember reading it and I stopped and I got this picture of a boat with this big, heavy metal anchor. And the anchor's all the way at the bottom of the seabed. Now, I don't know much about boating, but I do know that the purpose of those huge anchors is so that the boat doesn't go off course or drift away. So even when big winds, waves, and currents show up, a boat anchored to the bottom doesn't go off course. It doesn't drift away. It stays right where it is supposed to be. The wind doesn't move it. And as I thought about Jennifer and Joey's story, I thought about how while the waves and the wind came, they stayed on course. They stayed in the place that God wanted them to be. And when I say the wind or the waves, I mean, it it could have been the voices, the people who love them saying, hey, are y'all sure you want to keep doing this? Or or those overwhelming worries of, hey, what is this next sonogram going to hold? That could have been the wind that sent them off course. Or just the excruciating pain of enduring another loss. It seems like it would have been very easy to let those things cause them to drift away. Let those things dictate where they were supposed to go. But no. Their anchor, their hope, was in Jesus. What they felt compelled by the Holy Spirit was right for them. So they stayed right where they were supposed to be. They endured the wind, waves, and the rain. And because of their anchor, they stayed where they were supposed to be. And because of that, Catherine, Ann, and Jay are in the world Now, this is the outrageous gift of knowing Jesus. This is not just a gift that Jennifer and Joey receive. This is a gift for all of us who follow Jesus, that we have this strong, trustworthy, firm, and secure anchor for our souls, keeping us right where the God of the universe wants us to be, keeping us right on track. Now, some days (laughs) we might have beautiful sunny blue skies and perfectly still waters and we can just enjoy the day. And then there are other days where dark clouds cover the skies Rain pours down, wind and waves show up. But regardless, regardless of what the crazy weather does, Jesus is our anchor. And we can find confidence in the truth that our Savior has gone before us. Our Savior deeply 
loves us. That He is going to take care of us. Don't let the wind tell you where you are supposed to go. Don't let the waves send you off course. Jesus, Jesus is the anchor for your soul. I hope you found something that you can relate to from today's conversation. And thanks for joining us. If you have any questions or just want more tips for parents, let me know at ilassiter at fbrichardson.org. I'd love to talk with you. See you next time on the Four Parents Podcast.